Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and joining me today for episode 70 is Matt Collins of Over the Monster. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It is such an honor to be here. Yes, it's going to be an honor for you uh, almost every week this summer, so <laughs> you, you have something to look forward to. Um, today was an awesome day, though, because it was opening day at Fenway, uh, one of the best days of the year. Uh, a lot of theatrics go along with that. All the players get announced. We saw David Ortiz uh, rip his jersey off and reveal girl power uh, to Ellie Raisman. Uh, we saw the gold medalists. Um, it was a pretty cool day at Fenway. Always is. Yeah. Uh, one of these years I'm going to get to this. Probably not unless I hit the lottery, but it's a goal to get there at some point. Yeah. It's certainly uh, something I think should be on every baseball fan's bucket list. But aside from the cool theatrics, um, the game did not disappoint. And uh, the Red Sox continue their their string of winning games by the slimmest of margins. You know, it seems like every game for them has been a one-run game. Um, and extra innings has happened quite a bit. And they're making the Rays look kind of smart for this bullpen approach that the Rays are going with every few days. So uh, the whole game was really interesting. What, what were some standouts for you? Uh, I mean, I think David Price is probably the first one. Um, he kind of got lost a little bit because the game went so long and uh, the offense being so bad for most of the game was kind of dragging everybody down. But Price was outstanding again. He now has 14 shutout innings on the season. Um, I mean, we've talked about it before, but him pitching to his potential is such a boost for this team and it's a major X factor for them. So... We're only two starts in. Things can change. They're still kind of taking it easy on him. Um, he threw, I think, 90 pitches today, 91 pitches, something like that. Yep. So they still haven't like really unleashed him yet, which is kind of exciting. Um, but just the fact that he's been able to be so dominant right out of the gate is such a good sign for this team. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I think uh, this whole early season plan of – sort of easing guys in, Chris Sale, David Price, all the pitchers really, um, and giving the, the regular uh, you know players the, the days off too that Cora has been able to do and still walk away from this thing with a 6-1 and one start is super encouraging because they've rested pretty much everybody on the roster um, and you know not sacrificed anything for it on the field uh, in terms of the win-loss column. So while it, it has been dicey, there's been – 3-2 win, 4-2 win, 2-1 win, 3-2 win, and a one nothing win in there. They've only had one comfortable win against the Marlins, but other than that, everything's been a nail-biter, but it's working, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think, obviously, the competition hasn't been what it could be, but people have mentioned that to the point where it's an extremely obnoxious thing to mention. Um, but you're right, I think... I just, everybody got a day off at this point? I think Bogarts might be the only one who hasn't sat yet. Yeah, Bogey might not have sat. I know all the outfielders have gotten a day off. Um, Hanley's gotten a day off. Um, Davis has sat. So, yeah, I think it's just Bogarts. Has has Vasquez sat? Yeah, Leon um, started a game at least one. Okay. So, yeah, I think it is just Bogarts. Um, I'm interested to see how long. It'll last. I think he's going to do this with the position players all year. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what the approach is going to be with the pitchers. 
I'm assuming it's not going to be to this extreme all year, but I don't know if he's ever going to really unleash them until like August, September. Well, for a club with October aspirations, it's sort of refreshing to see this because it seems like this is the type of thing that gets talked about a lot in the offseason. And then when it actually comes to practice, um, you don't really see managers holding their players back to this extent. So it, it is kind of cool. And um, I know some people have been worried, you know, Chris Sale hasn't quite looked like peak Chris Sale this year so far. Command hasn't been all there, but like, I don't want to see peak Chris Sale in April. That's not what I'm interested in. Uh, I mean, I kind of want to see it all year. Um, and I think that's possible. I don't think I'm super worried about Chris Sale or anything, but I think it's, I, I think it's worth monitoring. I don't know if this is, it's hard to know if this is something like his philosophy was way down, um, in his last start. It's, hard to know if that was intentional or if that was just he just didn't have that fastball. I mean, every once in a while he would whip it out, but he was throwing most of his fastballs 90-91. His delivery was kind of different. His commands went off. Um, Like I said, I think there's a chance it's intentional, but it's something to watch for going forward, especially with the Yankees coming up. Yeah, I agree you have to monitor it, but at this point, like, I'm almost willing to take him at his word because Chris Sale basically has said, you know, last year he came in in midseason form, he threw a ton, he always throws a ton, and he didn't do that this offseason, so he's trying something completely different. So I guess I'm not that shocked seeing completely different results from Chris Sale at this point. We've seen him commit to weird things before. We saw him commit to pitching to more contact when he was with the Chicago White Sox. It seems like... He is a guy that actually is willing to stick to these type of experiments. Yeah, that's true. I hope he's not doing the pitch to contact thing again, though, just because. Just because you like more... 300 whiffs? Yeah, it's a lot more fun to watch him just like make people look stupid. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But I guess the real story here is the guy you mentioned at first, David Price, because he is pitching like the David Price we saw out of the bullpen last year. And if he can do this for an entire season dramatically changes the outlook i mean i think when you did your your rankings of most important players or we were talking about your rankings that you might do for most important players price was either first or second on that list right he was first i ended up doing it um yeah he was first so feeling pretty good about that yeah yeah i mean adding another ace like that to this equation is just uh that would be special but the other guy who is making you look like a smart man right now matt is uh Hanley Ramirez, who delivered today, uh, 12th inning, you know, game-winning hit. Um, Hanley has looked really solid early on. I mean, he's had some bad at-bats. He's had some good at-bats. But by and large, the guy's coming up clutch. Yeah, that dude is locked in, and he's ready for the season. Um, You can kind of tell with Hanley. Not that he wasn't, like, trying last year or he wasn't into it, but you can see when he's at, like, another level. And he's there right now. And he's, I think he's hearing, he kind of heard the whispers all winter about how he wasn't going to get the at-bats and there was no way that they were going to give him these at-bats. And he's hitting the way he is. If he does this all year, he's getting that option. There's no way they're going to sit him. No, no. I think he's, he, he wants to prove people wrong about that. 
I mean, I think the team would be happy to pick up that option if he's playing like 2016 Hanley or better. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's necessary for this team to get where they need to go. Yeah, and that was kind of what I was saying all winter about that option was that it wasn't a given that it wasn't going to happen because if he is hitting like that, then you want that guy back. You want him in your lineup. Um, and you want him in the clubhouse, too. I mean, the team loves him. It's very obvious from watching the games that he is, like, the guy in that clubhouse. Yeah, they all do look up to him. It does seem like that. And, you know, there's a lot of Dominican guys on this roster, too, right now. And it just seems like they've got a great clubhouse atmosphere going this this early on. I mean, I guess it's hard for a 6-1 and one team not to have a great clubhouse atmosphere. But early returns, this team looks much more at ease than it did last year with Farrell. Yeah, I mean, they're they're fun, at least. I, I don't know what's going on in that clubhouse, but I can tell you when I watch them on the field, it's fun to watch them. And that hasn't always been the case for recent Red Sox teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, any other takeaways from the game today that really stood out to you? Um, Bobby Pointer? I guess we got to talk about Bobby Pointer. Uh, Joiner's not on. We can't do it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, that was impressive, what he did today. Um, I've been a little wary on Pointer. Um, not really long term, but just in the short term as a guy who hasn't really pitched much above high A. Um, but yeah, I'm not so worried anymore. That was two innings against pretty much some of the best hitters in that Rays lineup in a giant spot, righties and lefties, and he just he did he had a, he didn't have a care in the world. I mean, the guy throws 90 miles an hour and he's just challenging everybody, and they couldn't do anything. That was uh, that was some big boy pitching right there. Well, the impressive thing about it was that Pointer was doing all this without overpowering stuff. Pointer's doing this with incredible location. The thing that I was so impressed by him was that you know he came out, he threw 30 pitches, 21 of them for strikes, and it seemed like he was truly pitching. You know, he is 100% not a thrower. This guy goes out there with a plan. Um, and is able to locate extremely well. And these are the guys that I personally have the most fun watching pitch. Um, guys that do use that location and don't just completely overpower people. I, I, I thought he was great today. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's moving up the depth chart in the bullpen, I would think, or at least earning some of those high leverage spots that he didn't have at the start of the season. Yeah, and I think deservedly so. Absolutely. Uh, Carson Smith, though, I think we can talk about him on the other spectrum. Right now, he gave up two earned runs um, today during this game, one hit. Um, He walked a guy, struck a guy out, but that home run sort of loomed large for Carson Smith. And while the slider has looked pretty good, it does seem like he just hasn't been in command of all of his pitches. Yeah, there's a... He hasn't really been all there. He's had four outings. Two of them were pretty good, and two of them were really bad. And uh, that's not really the ratio you're looking for from the guy who's supposed to be the second-best reliever in the bullpen. Um, I'm not super worried, but at the same time, I think we were a little too confident that he was going to be that dominant force that he was in Seattle. Um, It could still happen, but... I think we're seeing that 
that was three years ago, and it's um, it's certainly not a guarantee that he's going to be that guy again. Yeah, certainly not. But hopefully, uh, as the weather gets warmer and he gets farther away from his surgery, that will pick up for him. But three guys I want to ask you about right now, Matt, are I'm going to flip this around a little bit and go a little negative now. Um, so the team is six and one, but three guys on the roster have been underperforming. I think it's fair to say what well, has been expected of them so far. Andrew Benintendi batting 174 so far over seven games. Uh, JD Martinez has been decent, but not really supplying the power that we thought we were going to get from him. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. is in one of his terrible ice cold spells where it's just terrible to watch him up at bat. Um, any of these guys cause for concern? Uh, I think if you had to choose one, it would probably be Bradley. I think it has to be. Um, he just looks lost. And there's really no way to get him out of it other than to, to putting him out there. Um, and seven games into the season, it's not long enough to start punching him or anything. But I was a little surprised that they, he didn't get pinch hit for during one of the at-bats late in this game. And good on Cora for not doing it because he had a huge double in that 12th inning. Mm-hmm. That kind of sparked the rally, but um, I think that was the 12th inning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was I was expecting to see Moreland in there for one of those at-bats late in the game. Um, it's just, he hasn't really been good since the first half of last season, and that's kind of a long cold streak, so I... I am a little worried about Bradley. I don't want to be, but I think it's hard not to be. Yeah, I mean, when Jackie Bradley gets cold like he has been, uh, in, you mentioned it's been dating back to the first half of last year. Um, he is just, he's an automatic out in this lineup. It's just terrible to watch him. He looks listless at the plate, like you said. Um, and he's a guy that deserves to be batting at the bottom of the lineup when he's doing this. And luckily for him, he's got great defense, but he's super frustrating at points yeah and it's and it's just so hard because i mean we know what he's like when he's good um i mean he's a legitimate force with the bat he's like a he looks like mvps for stretches and you just have to hope that he gets back on that kind of run at some point but i don't know i mean i think we're gonna see him sit more than anyone else in this outfield for sure. And uh, if he doesn't hit soon, I don't know. I'm wondering if he's going to start sitting a lot more than we were expecting. Yeah, you have to wonder what the patience level is going to be for the team too because if as this sample size of Jackie Bradley Jr. going through these stretches gets larger and larger, it becomes apparent that he disappears completely offensively for this team for huge stretches of time and you just can't afford to have a position like center field in this day and age be a complete zero for your team for this type of a, a length of time and it, you know you mentioned it has been a while at this point so at at this juncture of Jackie Bradley Jr.'s career he has had longer stretches of being an inept offensive player than he has of being awesome and when he's awesome he's great but at this point you got to start wondering if this is the type of player that the Red Sox would want to commit long-term money to. I guess you don't really have, I don't know. I mean, that's fair, but 
we're not really at that point yet. There's, there's still time to figure that out. For sure, for sure. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can get it going. But, um, so six game winning streak, Matt. Has anything shocked you so far about the team in terms of, you know, any players standing out that you maybe thought wouldn't be this good this soon or I don't know, anything. I mean, six six game winning streak right now. There's a lot to be happy about. When we talked, it was after a meltdown on the first game. So <laughs> it's been nothing but positive since then. Yeah, I mean, the starting pitching, I think. Um, even, I mean, I knew, or I didn't know, I don't know anything, but I had a feeling that the starting pitching was going to be really good. I said a million times over the offseason that the team was going to go as far as the starting pitching would take them. But, I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's and crazy. I know, like I said, the competition and all that, but I don't care who they're playing. I mean, to have a run like this, seven straight games of just dominant starting pitching, somebody's going to throw a dud at some point, um, probably soon. But, I mean, it's just everybody, every turn, Brian Johnson, Hector Velasquez, Rick Porcello, Price and Sale both doing it twice, even though Sale hasn't really been himself. He's still putting zeros on the board. I mean, this is... Uh, this is incredible. I want to talk about that Brian Johnson start because I agree with you, and I, I think everybody's been impressive. We sort of expect it from Sale and from Price, uh, even Price to a, a little bit of extent. is It's a surprise to how well he's been doing. Porcello had a good start, but, I mean, Brian Johnson, for a guy who has been unreliable sort of all over the place in the past, he's come out and looked awesome. Six innings, one earned run. I mean, he looked in control during that whole game, and really the strong spring that we saw him have so far has carried over. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be a big part of this team. I think we talked about this last week um, with that role that he's probably going to be going back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. Can and, we call uh, it the Aceves role? We can, we can absolutely call it that. I'm okay. always game for a little Aceves talk. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, he was great. Um, I'm interested to see what he looks like in his next start because I think that comes against the Yankees. That's a pretty big test. And I definitely won't hold him to the standard of having to shut down that Yankees lineup every time out. But um, like you said, he looked really good in the spring. He looked great in his last start. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can bring in that seventh role. So speaking of the Yankees, uh, things are lining up pretty nicely for the Red Sox coming up here. So Yankees come into town um, on Tuesday, um, and they get Chris Sale, followed by probably Price, and who do you think is going to go that third game, Thursday? Is it not Johnson for the first game? Uh, Are they skipping him? They're skipping him, it looks like. It looks like Tuesday, April 10th, is going to be Sale Severino. Ooh. Yeah, so that's why I think we saw... That makes Velasquez me feel some things. today, right? Well, Velasquez was supposed to pitch Sunday. Okay. Um, and now Rodriguez is pitching Sunday. Right. Yeah, so right now it's lining up for an ESPN game on Tuesday, April 10th, uh, yankees Sale severino That's that's a juicy game. Oh, man, that makes me uh, – that definitely makes me feel some things. Ooh, <laughs> boy, Sale versus Severino. I did not know that. Uh, so you know what's even juicier about this, Matt? That's the day after my birthday, and I'm going to that game. 
Are you really? Yeah, I have great seats to it too. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty pumped right now. I didn't really realize that, but uh, yeah, that's gonna be sick. This, I mean, they they've got a few more with the Rays here. It seems like all we do is play the Rays in April. Um, Porcello versus Faria uh, Rodriguez. I'm not sure who he's going against. Uh, it's a bullpen game. Yeah, oh, good, great. Those actually <laughs> are kind of scary for the Red Sox. It seems. I don't count today as a bullpen game. No, I but. mean he threw five innings, right? Does well, he's a he's a starter. He started through the minor leagues. Um, they can call it whatever they. I I don't even know if they called it a bullpen game because they didn't announce him as the starter until like the last minute. But he's a starter. It's not like the first time they had Kittredge going and he's like a legitimate reliever. Yeah. So I don't know what they're gonna do on Sunday. I I hate it a lot. But <laughs> the bullpen game thing is is kind of funny because the radio guys were talking about it too. It's just it's classic Rays bullshit nonsense. I hate them so much. Do you hate the Rays more than you hate the Yankees? Yeah. That's ridiculous to me. I know it is, but I don't know. Those teams in like the late two thousands, man, I just Oh, I can't stand them. Joe Madden is like my least favorite person in baseball. How old were you in two thousand three? Two thousand three I was twelve. So would you say you don't fully appreciate the Aaron Boone moment as much as you might have if you were a little older. Yeah, probably not. Okay, because that moment alone made me feel like I wanted to quit watching sports forever in my life. Yeah, I mean, I think so. The Red Sox raised stuff was like when I was in like late high school, early college. Yeah, and that was like when I like reached my peak of just being angry at everything, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, the Rays are really easy to be angry at. Yeah. No, I feel like I you and Carsley feel fun. that hatred oh, together. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I think he's around the same age as me, so it probably makes sense. But, yeah. Oh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hate the Yankees, and I'm starting to hate them even more now because everybody talks about how likable they are, and it makes me want to scream. Oh, but it's the just, Rays just have a special place in my heart. The, the Rays suck. I agree with you. Like, I remember those years like they were yesterday. They, they Those were terrible teams to play against, and I hated them as much as you. Well, no, not as much as you, I suppose. Um, but but close. But uh, those Yankees teams, man. I mean, anybody saying that the Yankees can ever be likable is just like... Well, I, that's what drives me nuts. Yeah, I spit in your face, man. You can't yeah. say that shit. The Yankees are yeah. never likable. Nothing about and, them I mean, to likable. be fair, you don't have to say the Red Sox are likable either, I no. I get that people hate them, and I'm fine with it, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I hate it. And I like a lot of the Yankees players, but I hate them too because, that, like, D.D. DeGroyes should be, like, one of my favorite players. I love that dude, but I also hate him because he's on the Yankees. I won't own a Yankees player in a fantasy baseball league. I won't even do it. I still Stupid. won't do it to this day. That's throwing money down the toilet, but... I never do, though. You do. Uh, all right, so let's move on here. That, that got weird. That did get weird. Um, so base running. I want to talk to you about base running. Um, this was a problem dating back to last year. Alex Cora has admitted early on in this season that this team still is being a little bit careless on the bases, running into outs. He's stressed that he wants them to continue to remain aggressive, but they can't make bonehead plays. What are they going to do about this? Because it seems like it's been an issue for a while now. Yeah, I don't really know what you do. Um, I guess that's why I'm not the coach. But um, I kind of had, I don't know if I would say I had an issue with the way Cora was talking about it, but it was a little weird to me. I think he said it was in their DNA or something 
kind of cryptic like that. And he kind of basically was just saying like, I don't know, I kind of, it's, he pretty much put it on last year's coaching staff, which even if that's true, I mean, it's your team now. I feel like you should at least kind of take ownership and work towards fixing it, which I'm sure he is. I don't know. It's just, it was a weird quote to me. Yeah. But uh, as far as how to fix it, I don't know. Just stop doing stupid shit. Yeah, it seems like Ben Intendi is always the one that I'm yelling at, though. Yeah, he's it's weird because he should be a good base runner. He seems like such a smart player. He's athletic. He just makes dumb decisions. Terrible decisions. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird because, like you said, I mean, he hits the crap out of the ball. He's fast. It just seems like this should be a strength for him. He needs to just spend time watching Xander Bogart's tape or just, like, picking Xander's Mookie. mind. Mookie. Yeah, I mean, both of those guys are amazing base runners. I think Mookie's the best base runner in baseball. But... Really? Yeah, I mean, if you, like, just discount speed, because, I mean, if you, Billy Hamilton's obviously another level, but I don't know. I, th- he, there's, like, highlight tapes out there of the things Mookie has done on the base fast that are just, like, insane. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, if they yeah. can if they can get Benny to be half of what Xander or Mookie can do on the bases, we'd be in good shape. I think we also kind of underrate how hard it is to be like that kind of base runner though and i think that the problem part of the problem might be that someone like benintendi looks at those guys mm-hmm. and is sees what they do and is like i can do that too and it's not that easy <laughs> so i don't know i feel like maybe they should do a little bit less try to do a little bit less and just like trust the guys at the plate um but it doesn't feel like that's going to be the plan they certainly have the guys now at the plate that they should be able to trust. The thing that's interesting about this early season, though, is that there's only been one game so far where the Red Sox have scored over four runs. Um, it does seem like this this offense is sort of operating at a lower level than we we're expecting it to at this early going. Yeah, they definitely haven't clicked yet. Um, I think it's going to happen because we've seen... I feel like everybody except for Bradley and probably Vasquez too. Uh, but everybody else has kind of had their moments. It just hasn't happened at the same time. And uh, like Benintendi, I think it's been better lately and he's drawing, he's getting on base. He's drawing walks. Um, so, I mean, these guys are, have shown that they can still hit. I mean, they haven't forgotten how to hit baseballs. It just, the sequencing has been awful. So I'm not super worried. It's, it's going to click at some point. You know who I've been in love with this early season as far as consistency goes, though, is is Rafael Devers. For a 21-year-old kid, he has been going out there and just being super consistent, giving great at-bats all the time. I mean, he looks he looks great. He looks like he is, he's been in the league for a while. Yeah, uh, uh, Phil wrote about that this morning. Um, he wrote a little bit in the links um, about how he's been really quietly solid this year. And it's true. He kind of got overshadowed in that first Rays series when Bogarts just went bananas. Um, but, I mean, Bogarts was better. But Devers was the guy hitting right behind him, and he was driving him in every chance he got. Um, and that kind of got overlooked a little bit. He's he's definitely – J.D. Martinez was the biggest reason to be excited about this offense, but Devers wasn't that far behind. Having a full season of him at third base is pretty outstanding. Yeah, that's a huge boost to the offense. If if he can do that for a whole year, get J.D. Martinez going, bounce back years from a few of these other guys, I mean, this could be 
It should be. I'll say this. It should be a top five offense in baseball. Yeah, it definitely has the potential. It doesn't even have to be, though. I mean, the pitching isn't going to be as good as it is now, but that is still – I mean, I still feel like that is the team. Yeah. Like, the offense is improved, and that's great, but this is still a pitching team. I agree with you. It's going to be really interesting to see this first Yankees series, get that first test. The Yankees oh, are going so to be excited. sending out Severino, Tanaka, Sabathia. Um, I'd like to see what this offense can do against those guys. I'm so ready for sales, Severino. I can't believe I didn't know that was coming. Yeah, it's awesome. Jesus Christ. It's going to be sick. Um, all right, so I want to talk about minor league ball a little bit because today is also minor league opening day. I guess tomorrow when you're listening to this, it was yesterday, um, but the Paw Sox are playing today, if you're listening. Uh, but uh, minor leagues opened up. You had a really good article about the guys you're most excited to watch this year in the minor leagues and not necessarily the players you think are going to make the biggest jumps or, or be the best players, but guys you're really interested to see. Um, do you want to mention a few of those guys on the air? Yeah. I mean, I can just go through the list real quick. I had Lorenzo Cid- Cidrola, Roldani Baldwin, Pedro Castellanos, Zach Schellinger, and uh, Trey Ball, which I was expecting a little backlash. I didn't get any. Oh, I was, I was, I almost sad, threw but... up when I read that on your <laughs> list. I was like, why would you want to watch Trey Ball? I'm intrigued, man. And he's the only one that I'm actually going to be able to watch, like with my eyeballs this year, because he's in Portland. <laughs> so you had to put a uh, Portland guy on that list, essentially. <laughs> no, I mean, if I, I just, I want to see what he's like out of the bullpen. I think he pitched today. And I think he did pretty well. Um, he, yeah, he threw two scoreless innings, three strikeouts, and a walk. Okay. Um, so I don't think he's gonna do well. Like I'm not expecting him to like take this massive leap as a reliever, but there's a better chance of him doing it in the bullpen than in the rotation, and there's a better chance of him doing it in the bullpen than in the outfield where people have. I know people have been wanting to see him transition to the outfield, which I've always thought was a bad idea. So I don't know. This kind of feels like the last hurrah and like his last shot to carve out a career. And so I don't know. I think that's a pretty interesting storyline. Yeah, it is an interesting storyline for a guy who we was picked, what, seventh overall? Seventh overall, yeah. yeah seventh. Five years ago. It's crazy. When that pick got made, I thought – holy shit, this is what Charrington is doing with this pick. Like, it just it just didn't make any sense to me. It seemed crazy risky uh, when they made it, and it has not panned out so far. But I guess you're right. It is, it is sort of an interesting storyline to see if he can make anything of this career because, I mean, guy doesn't have much value at all at this point. Oh, he has no value. Yeah. Yeah. I think he – yeah, I mean, he could have been picked Rule 5 this year. Obviously, nobody picked him. That wasn't a surprise at all. Um, yeah, he has no value, but if he can show that his stuff plays up in short stints and he can kind of show a little bit more command, um, there's a there might still be a major league arm here. I mean, there's a reason he went so high. Even though, I mean, some people thought he was a better position player than a pitcher. Maybe they're right about that, but we'll never really know. I'm really interested to watch Darwin's and Hernandez this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that... Uh... He's... If that slider that he supposedly developed is is working, he could be one of the most interesting arms in the system. Yeah, he is a – the list I did was kind of like guys that weren't really in the top 20 conversation. Um, but Hernandez is probably the guy I'm most excited about um, just because of that slider, like you said. That 
he's gonna he I think he's gonna be a huge riser. Um, not only on the organizational list, but I think he's gonna get some national recognition. Mm. Whether that means top one hundred or just like making some just miss lists or whatever. Um, he's not really on the national radar right now, but I think he's going to be by the end of the year. And that Salem rotation, man, that is sexy. So who is it? They've got Mata, Hauk, Darwin Hernandez, Hernandez and... uh, Ronnie Raudas, and Jake Thompson. Damn. There was some speculation that uh, Groom was going to be part of it too. Uh, wow. But that was incorrect. So I, I wonder if this year the Red Sox can just move their championship up one level. So it was at Greenville last year, and maybe it'll be. Well, that's Salem usually how it kind year. of works. Yeah. I hope so because next year is my year, man. They're coming <laughs> to Portland. Portland has been was so bad last year. Yeah. And they're gonna be really bad this year too. So I'm waiting. They need to get some prospects. That roster is not good. Yeah, it's it's a rough roster right now, especially when you look at some of the other levels. Like Salem, you know, we already just mentioned is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I think Pawtucket is going to be a really interesting team to watch just because of the amount of quality depth guys that are there. I think they're going to be a competitive team this year. Um, but I think Tanner Houck is probably one of the most interesting players to watch in the minor leagues this year because reportedly he has changed his arm slot. His arm slot. He's made some adjustments. He's throwing different pitches right now. And um, it seems like the Red Sox drafted this guy to change him. Uh, they saw a, a good pitcher with a good frame and thought, hey, we can make him a great pitcher. Yeah. Um, Eric Longenhagen on Fangraphs uh, released his Red Sox prospects list yesterday, I think, two days ago. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Yeah, two days ago. He he, he did that at some point. And uh, he talked about that arm slot change with Hoke. And uh, it seems like it was done – with the mind that he's going to be a starter because there was a lot of speculation that he was ultimately going to be a reliever. And now a lot of the evaluators who are seeing him this year after the change are a lot, are buying in a lot more to the idea that he's going to stick in the rotation. And if he can, I mean, this kid has a special arm. Um, so yeah, he's another breakout guy. I kind of think that he's already pretty highly rated, even if he's not a top 100 guy. I think he'll probably or not probably. I think there's a good chance that he could make that jump this year. Yeah, I, I think he could too. And uh, if that works for him, we could see him challenge in the top 50 of prospect lists, I think, by mid-year. If everything goes well for him, he has that type of talent. Yeah, if it's like a perfect start to the year, I could see it. Yeah. Uh, but you never know. I mean, I don't want to hype it up too much. You never know what's going to happen to a kid in his first full season. I mean, it's a big adjustment. And it's also not the easiest thing to change your arm slot. I mean, hell, yeah, finding absolutely. your release points hard enough this early in the year. So uh, that's that's a lot to work with. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that Salem rotation is going to be one to watch. So another interesting player who's going back to Salem this year, though, is Bobby Dahlbeck, who missed so much of last year with injury. I'm really intrigued to see how he develops because the power there and power is sort of a tool that's lacking in this Red Sox system a little bit, but Bobby Dahlbeck has light tower power. Um, and if he can, you know, improve his, his approach a little bit at the plate and show that he's healthy, he could be a really interesting player for them. Yeah, it could be. I'm not the biggest Dahlbeck guy. Um, you like him better as a pitcher? <laughs> no, 
I don't think he can pitch. I think Arizona like destroyed him. Oh yeah, they, he pitched they, so much there. Yeah, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> I hate college coaches, but that's besides the point. No, it's just contact. I don't know. I'm a big hit tool guy. I just like guys that hit line drives. It's just like aesthetically pleasing. So I kind of have an unfair bias against these kind of all or nothing players like Dahlbeck and uh So basically know, you I, hate what baseball is becoming. I, I really do. Even <laughs> like I acknowledge that it's like statistically it's like the better way to go for hitters and like it's the smart thing to do. But I don't know. I wanna see guys just like hit doubles and triples and run around the bases and like make the fielders do things. I don't know. I think it's more fun that way. Well, I think that that's a that's a really attractive way that the game can be played. I agree, I, but you know, dingers are awesome too. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon or anything. I'm just <laughs> saying, it's just a personal preference. That's all. You know what Matt would love? The dead ball era. <laughs> hey, I mean, look, my favorite prospect is, ever is like Mauricio Dubon, and he's got no power. So, yeah, that's just the kind of guy I like. It's true. Someone's gonna like him. I get a um, type. <laughs> So I want you to talk about two guys, Matt. Um, one guy who we didn't see almost at all last year because of injury, um, and then the other guy who's going to be at the DSL uh, this year. Um, CJ Chatham's the first guy I want to talk to you about. Uh, high round pick. What are your thoughts about Chatham, and what can he be if he has a good year? Uh, so Chatham is somebody I'm really interested in because – I feel like he's he's 23, and he hasn't really played professionally yet, and I feel like that's the kind of guy who should be forgotten now, but pretty much every evaluator is still like really excited about him. Yeah, so, second rounder in 2016, he's got the draft pedigree. Yeah, he's, he's a big shortstop, um, which normally would be someone you expect to move to third base, but by all accounts, he's at least an average shortstop or he projects to be at least average probably above average and not a ton of power but a solid hit tool with decent power if everything goes right um i mean this isn't a featured superstar or anything but this is a i mean this is probably his final chance but i wouldn't be surprised to see him move pretty quickly through the system as a 23 year old and a challenge for utility spot in the next few years it looks like they're going to start him at greenville wouldn't surprise me at all to see him up in Salem in really short order if he starts off the year decently. Yeah, I think they probably hope he's going to be one of the first promotions in the system. Yeah. Uh, last guy I want to talk to you about before we move on to a couple more pitchers here is Danny Diaz, third baseman. Uh, he's only 17 years old. We probably won't see him at all this year. Um, but tell me why he is such an intriguing player. I know that you love him. Yeah, I mean, he's... uh. He's the next, like, high-ceiling guy that they could have coming up. Um, he was their second—he was, like, their kind of secondary July 2 signing this year after Danny Flores, who obviously passed away this winter, which is awful. Um, so Diaz is kind of like that guy from—they finally got to spend again internationally. They've always had—they've obviously had a bunch of success in Latin America in the past. And uh, he's a third baseman— even though he's listed as a shortstop, he's definitely not a shortstop. But he's a—he's just a really good hitter uh, by all accounts. He has big power, um, and he understands the strike zone 
a lot better than you would expect a 16, 17 year old kid to. Um, so this is not somebody like he said to expect to see anytime soon. He's going to be playing in a Dominican this year. He might come stateside for the GCL. If everything goes right, he could make his full season debut next year. Uh, but this is a long-term project, but one who probably he or I would say definitely has the highest ceiling among position players in the system. Wow. So you would put his ceiling even above someone like Chavis? Yeah, I think I mean I would obviously take Chavis over him when you um count like how close they are and like reliability and all that, but um Chavis kind of has a limited ceiling because Diaz should be able to stick at third base. Mm-hmm. Chavis may not. And Chavis is like a lot of power and not a ton else. And by all accounts, Diaz has a good overall approach to go with that big power potential. So, um, I mean, we're talking pure ceiling. I don't want to get like super hyped about him. But, uh, I mean, he's just, like, that next big guy to come out of Latin America. And, like I said, I mean, that's been this organization's bread and butter is finding these position players in Latin America and developing them. When you describe him, it sounds a little like the description that we got of Rafael Devers probably three or four years ago. Yeah, I don't think he's that um, well-regarded. But a uh, similar type of player, just, like, a step below probably. Okay. I think he was like the bottom half of the top 10 on Baseball America's uh, overall ranking of July 2 players this year. So um, he got $1.6 for a signing bonus, which is not nothing. Yeah, that's sizable. Um, two guys we should mention. Well, actually, we'll mention three guys who are going to start the year on the minor league DL, three of the top 10 Sox prospects. Um, Jay Groom is going to start the year on the DL with an oblique strain, I believe, or no, flexor strain it is. Um, Chavis is starting the year on the DL with an oblique strain, and then um, Josh Ockamy is also going to be starting the year on the DL with a hamstring issue. So, yeah, man, sucks to uh, sucks to be up in Portland right now with yeah, all those the, guys missing, huh? The two, the two interesting players on Portland, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, hopefully they'll be back. I'm going to, I think, Patriots Day. I'm going to the game, so oh, cool. hopefully by then they'll be back. We should we should tout Hadlock Field here, too, because that place is awesome. I just I, Every time I go there, I'm like, this place is amazing. It's such a great place to watch a game. Uh, pretty good snacks over there. I mean, just a, overall, I've never had a bad time at Hadlock. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I love it. And they're extending the netting, which is nice because I sat – I usually try and sit behind the plate so there is netting in front of me, but I sat a little bit further down the line one time and it was like the most terrifying experience of my life. <laughs> so I'm glad that I want like nets all around the field. And minor league games, you're just like on top of the players. It's scary. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. You can, you can, uh, they could probably smell your hot dog. <laughs> um, so let's move on to some listener questions. Um, we had a ton of listener questions from you guys, so thank you for that. Uh, first one that we got is from a uh, colleague of mine at the uh, Dynasty Guru, Keaton uh, DeRocher. He says, um, guys, love the show. Um, Red Sox offense has been lackluster versus poor teams so far to start the season. Should we be worried at all? Is it time to make a move to add a bat to the lineup? Uh, I'm assuming that last part was sarcasm. I think so. 
Knowing yeah. Keaton, that was sarcasm. Yeah. I mean, I think we already kind of talked about this. I think they're probably going to click at some point. There are guys that I would be worried about, um, like Bradley and Vasquez probably isn't as good as we saw him last year. But overall, I think um, it's just a bad stretch. Yeah, I agree. I'm not worried about it whatsoever. Uh, this offense is way too good to, you know, not click at some point. So, yeah, definitely don't worry. Uh, Tom Pringle, a uh, friend of the pod, he asks us two questions. One, would you rather have a stone in your shoe for the rest of your life or sand in your eyes for the rest of your life? This is a ridiculous question, Tom. Obviously, it would be stone in your shoe. No yeah, one wants what? to walk around blind. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not even close to a Cleveland. No, it's like it's ridiculous. Get better, Tom. Do something <laughs> yeah. better. Um, but then he asks us, when will J.D. Martinez hit a home run? I'm going to call that J.D. hits one when I'm at the game on Tuesday. Sale Severino start. JD's that's what I was going to say, too. Perfect. So uh, it's happening. Yeah, it's it's going on. Uh, the OG asks us, Otani or Benintendi? Uh, Benintendi? Oh, man. I don't know. What's the question? Just like I'm, I'm assuming which one you'd rather have. If you were starting a franchise tomorrow and you had the option to pick one of these two players, who would you go with? Man, I think I'd go Otani, man. Oh, shit. Just because he's so much fun. I mean, there's no other Otani. I don't, I'm just – I'm like all in on the Otani hype. I'm so ready to be let down by this. I'm just – I'm all over it. Give me the hit. Dude, hit a, he hit a bomb off Kluver and he's throwing 100 miles an hour a couple days before that I'm in yeah it is pretty cool I'm not gonna lie he has been already beyond my expectations I did not I, expect him to hit yeah, I just want him to be good so bad I was I already I'm been looking at uh tickets for when the angels come to Boston I kind of want to see him let me when know I, I'm, I'm in <laughs> yeah um next question uh, will JBJ do enough on offense? Great catches in the outfield, but can he do more with his bat? Uh, that's from Kevin. Uh, I feel like we have talked about that. I mean, we're not convinced that he can do more with the bat. Hopefully he can. Um, but I think it's a legitimate worry at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think depends how you define it enough. I mean, I think he's an average regular when you add in his defense. I think that's like his floor, which is fine. Um, but I think it's legitimate to wonder if he's more than that on a true talent basis. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next question here comes from Mercy Choir, and he says, does Remy enjoy being in the booth with OB? He seems a little sub- <laughs> subdued slash annoyed lately. Jeez, uh, I don't know. I mean, I to, to I be honest, I think that. he misses Don, right? I mean, I think we all do, but um, I don't know. I haven't really noticed anything. I, I think he's good. I think he's kind of just getting older. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. They haven't talked about the moon recently. What? Remember that? Remember? Do you remember when the, him and Don spent a good half of the broadcast talking about the moon? <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh, it's one of the great, the great clips from those two. Definitely check that out. Um, I I don't really even listen to broadcasts that much. I listen to the Red Sox because I I do the recaps and it kind of keeps me in the game, but. Any other sporting event, I don't listen to broadcasts. I think broadcasts are so usually you, generally pretty bad. You mute it? Yeah, I mute it. I listen to music or a podcast or something. Interesting. Okay. Um, do you ever listen to the radio, guys? No. 
No? Anytime I try to... I mean, if I'm in a car or something. Okay. But, like, anytime I try to, like, sync it up, it never... The audio never syncs up. I don't know. So, I, I actually prefer listening to Tim Neverett and Joe Castiglione over uh, listening to, to Remy and OB. So, like, if I'm going to be doing stuff around the house um, and not actually watching the game... I'd rather put it on the radio than put it on the TV and just not watch the TV. Uh, no, I want to see what happens. Yeah. All right. Um, how many times is Hanley going to get caught stealing bases this year? Oh, man. Um, 70. <laughs> he's going He's going for 30-30, man. <laughs> he's going to do everything in his power to get that 30-30. I said... I said the other day he's gonna go like thirty for one hundred and twenty-five, but he's getting that th- those thirty stolen bases. That's such a ridiculous thing for him to want to do. He is he in really good it. shape though, right? Yeah, I mean he's been a base stealer before. Obviously that was a long time ago, but no, I mean I think he's gonna steal like ten bases this year, and he'll probably get caught like ten times. That seems seems like a handly thing. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I have I'll tell you what, add. he's he's like pretty nimble at first base though. He, dude, yes. I was gonna say that earlier in the show and then I completely forgot. I completely agree with you. I was thinking that today while I was watching the game. He made some play and I was just like, you know what? That was relatively athletic for Hanley. Like he's made he's I saved some bad throws from Bogarts this year. Yeah. Uh, in almost like every game, it feels like there's been one throw where Bogarts kind of gave him a little short hop, and Hanley handled it without much of a problem. And I don't think he's gotten enough credit for that. Matt, you're looking good on this Hanley so far. I'm holding on Hanley. It's the summer of Hanley, man. That's right. Uh, next question here comes from Ethan Puritz, and he says, How many games will JBJ play, and why the hell does JD Martinez insist on playing the outfield? Uh I I'm gonna say 130 for JBJ, and for JD playing the outfield, I really wish he wouldn't insist on playing the outfield, but eh, he probably just likes it. Yeah, he likes it. He's a person. Yeah. I mean, you like th- I'm We all like things that we probably have no business doing. I like to play golf. I'm not very good at it, but I still go out there and do it, even though there's gonna be people playing behind me that are gonna get pissed that they're playing behind me. Yeah. And he wants to play the outfield. I mean, the other day he made he had a really bad play that cost him a run, and that's gonna happen sometimes, and that sucks. But you want to keep him happy, and if he's gotta play like thirty or forty games in the outfield, then whatever, we can deal with it. Yeah, hopefully most of them are at home. I don't want to see. Yeah, any exactly. More of that. I mean, play in front of the monster. Yeah. Um. Nick Kamont asks us, is this the year that Bogarts maintains his play the whole season? Um, I am unequivocally voting yes on this. I'm I'm expecting monster Bogarts this year. I hope so. I don't really know how else to answer that. Yeah. I certainly hope so. Uh, next one, Red Sox in LA asks us, who is going to lead the Sox in home runs this season? This is an interesting question. You're probably going to say Hanley Ramirez. <laughs> I am going to say Hanley. He's going 30-30, dude. <laughs> oh, man, I hope 30 doesn't lead this team in home runs. I'm going to go J.D. Just Martinez. Because, just because you go 30-30 doesn't mean you only hit 30 home runs. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay, no, it's so, gonna it's gonna be JD Martinez. Yeah, it's it has to be right. But, like it doesn't matter if he if he makes it through April without hitting a single home run, 
it's still going to be J.D. Martinez, right? Yeah, probably. But I <laughs> want it to be Hanley so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, last question here we have from Gordon Comstock, and he asks us, what would Hanley's stat line need to look like at the All-Star break for them to let him get to 496 uh, at-bats he needs for the option to vest? So it's actually 497 for that to vest. But um, what do you think, Matt? Uh, I mean, they don't have to make the decision by the All-Star break, but I guess like 2016 maybe? Maybe worse than that? So something like 280 with... 17 home runs by the all-star break they're obviously just letting him play every day right i guess i mean it's hard to put like an exact number on it you could just it's like one of those things that you're gonna feel and like if he's producing on a consistent basis then you're not going to take him out yeah i mean if if he's producing there's no question just let him let him go in there and mash and let him do his thing and let him be awesome it's a, a, a fun baseball season includes a good Hanley. Yeah, and I mean, this lineup is better. It cruises it or it can cruise with Hanley hitting well in the middle in front of J.D. Martinez. Yeah, I like that. I like the sound of that a lot. There was uh, another question here oh, that okay. I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. From uh, Chris Figueroa. Uh, he says, assuming Betts and Harper make roughly the same is it better long term to sign Harper and trade bets for an absolutely monster pack or massive package in the offseason to rebuild the farm in a single stroke? Oh, that is interesting. Uh, huh. What's your take on that? So I think that in a vacuum, you can make the argument that that's the right move, but we don't exist in a vacuum, and I think there's some value to both the team and the fans to keep a guy who has been who developed in the system and came up with the system and to try and keep a guy like that for his whole career so that's why i would say i would rather a bets even if i think there's a decent chance that harper might be the best better player over their careers um it's there's just something special about potentially having that kind of superstar for his whole career from beginning to end yeah, I agree, and I think that holds, uh, again, a little bit more water in a market like Boston, who really does value those guys that come up with the team and, and stay there. I don't for even know if it's years. a market thing. I mean, like, Tony Gwynn played in San Diego, and that was like sure. a special thing. Yeah. I think it's just like any anywhere you go, it's, it's especially in today's sports, you don't really see it a ton. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know if that's most prudent way to make decisions but i also don't really care i think i don't i think we don't a lot of us don't put enough stock in like just kind of having fun watching baseball and i think it's more fun to watch a guy like Betts play for his whole career yeah uh i tend to agree with you and i think that also one thing to consider there is um it doesn't look all that great for your prospects of attracting people to come play for your team if you're going to let a guy like Mookie Betts walk or trade him. You know, it's just like if you have a guy like that come up, you should lock him up. It just – it it stinks. Yeah, you know? I mean I think the real answer here is you sign Harper and you keep Betts. There we go. Yeah. yeah. 
So what happens there? Harper moves to left field, Betts stays in right field, or do you play Harper in his? I think we've talked position? about this before. Yeah, we have. I uh, that's right. I would I said I would keep Harper in right and move Betts to center, right? Yeah. I said, said I would I would put Benintendi in center, Harper in left, Betts in right. It's well, not gonna happen. It'd be a nice problem to have. Yeah, it would. All right, well, that about does it for the show. Um, you can follow this show. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can rate and review us there. We'd really appreciate that. Tell your friends about this Red Sox podcast. Uh, it is the best one. Um, and uh, you can follow Matt on Twitter at, at MattRYCollins. And you can follow myself on Twitter at DevJig. And we will be with you uh, every week for the rest of the season. And uh, we'll have guests on as well. So. Uh, Stay tuned, keep asking questions, and we'll be with you again next time.